Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. What do you call a device you can look into and see the future or look into and see a body part? But both are reflective? Ooh. Let's look within today with speculums. Or is it specula? It's both. It's both. Okay. Well, hello, Hainted Loves. Welcome to Homespun Haints Bonus Edition. I am Becky. And I'm Diana. And today we're going to discuss a very interesting contraption that we learned about on our recent interview with Bill about Vermont's Bennington Triangle, a very mysterious place. And Bill wrote a novel with a suggested reason behind why these hauntings occur called Death Reflects. Uh-huh, uh-huh. See reflection. <laughs> oh, nice tie-in. I see it now. <laughs> and one of the sources of these strange occurrences have to do with people using a device called a speculum. And if you are a woman, you're a human with a <laughs> vagina, or somebody whose profession is looking into vaginas, you know what this is. Because we can't leave out the obstetricians and the gynecologists. And the midwives and the nurses and all those people that have to stare into cervixes day in and day out. <laughs> there are actually medical speculums for multiple flesh windows. Oh, really? Oh, Not just I... vaginas, yes. There's also an anal speculum. Oh, there you go. Which has to be even more disturbing, I would guess, perhaps. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and a nasal speculum and oh, yeah. oral. Oh, yeah. Not, not oral, but oral. Oh, for your ears. Mm -hmm. Okay. So wait, does it widen the ear canal when you stick it in there? No, not really. Kind of not really. But it, it kind of just straightens the path, so to speak, so that you can see from the outside to the inside. And that is indeed what the word speculum indicates is something that allows you to see within, which is 
why it's so interesting that the word is just basically Latin for mirror. Right. And we're not talking about flesh window insertion devices today, despite that fabulous introduction. <laughs> I mean, we could if you want to, but... <laughs> but this is a ghost story podcast. <laughs> We've gotten medical enough with all of these... Uh, these medical terms like anus and vagina. When Bell pulled out that term, he had just told us that he collects Victorian medical instruments. And I was like, yep, okay, <laughs> that makes sense that you have a speculum. And then he was like, nope, nope not that kind of speculum. So I actually just nope. wrote an article for our blog about not that kind of speculum and the history of the etymology of that word and how it evolved over time and across languages. So if you're as much of a nerd for etymology as I am, please check that out. It'll be published soon here on our blog. But today, we're talking about a very specific type of speculum, aren't we? I can't begin to speculate what this could be about, Diana. Ooh, this is a good segue into etymology. So spec, that's the Proto-Indo-European word for to observe. Spec is in so many English words today, introspective, retrospective, spec. Specter, spectrophilia. Which is a spectacle. Exactly. Spectacles. You look through them, they reveal things. So in Latin, the word is more or less synonymous with the word mirror. However, just like in English, the word mirror doesn't just mean a looking glass, right? Mirror means to imitate something, or it means to reflect on something, or it means to look into something that shows you something, right? I mean, there's many different definitions. So when you take the word speculum, plural specula or speculums, I think specula is more common when you're talking about the Latin. When you take that word, it can be applied across a lot of different applications, which kind of surprised me because, of course, I had only ever heard of the medical device, which is so naive of me. It's definitely way older than that. Yep. I'm making a hand motion of a speculum opening up. The sound of a screw. Clink, 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 clink. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. All right. You're making my cervix hurt. This is turning into a horror blog. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Please tell us about specula as they pertain to the spooky. So spooky specula. What should I say? The specky. <laughs> One of the concepts behind specula is the ability to use a reflective object, a mirrored object, to view the future or view the answer to a problem, or divine a meaning in something, which we know as basically the definition of the word scrying. And if you haven't heard the word scrying, think of the classic gazing into a crystal ball to see visions of the future. Why is it a crystal ball? The crystal ball has properties that allow it to be somewhat reflective, but not too reflective. Patrons, remember our episode about black mirrors? It is very important to be able to see both the reflection, but not see the world as it is in real life. And this is why things like obsidian, the black mirror, the crystal ball, when you gaze into one of these, the whole point is to kind of unfocus your eyes, unfocus your mind, your conscious mind, and let the image become clear to you. Many people describe it as something that happens automatically when they're not trying or when they're just in general relaxed. Several people make a practice of it and have a specific set of rituals around gazing into various scrying devices. The most popular scrying device in the U.S. would be the garden mirrored ball. Many suburbanites have one of those with probably no clue to its witchy roots. 
it's something that we see on the regular, these scrying devices, without really kind of thinking about how they have such an illicit history. But back in the day, a few hundred years ago, when women were being persecuted as witches, whether they practiced magic or not, those who actually chose to practice magic had to hide it. It was a capital punishment for practicing witchcraft. This is just a folk thing, hanging a ball of reflective glass in your window of your shop or home, basically as a hate trap. It's a combination between hate blue and a proton pack. You hang a shiny reflective orb in your window and the haints are so intrigued that they go up to it and they start feeling it. And as the haints feel it, they are absorbed into the reflective surface within, or if there's little threads or bubbles or anything in the glass, the haints are absorbed into it, becoming therefore harmless forever. And there are many, many shops that still practice this and have a quote unquote witch ball in their windows that is not for sale because it is far too full of ghosts to sell. <laughs> it's too lucky. Nobody wants to part with theirs. So this was a, a fairly common, I guess, folk practice at the time. And also these devices were used by practitioners of witchcraft for scrying or magic. And so there's, there's kind of like this disconnect because the clergy at the time would have said that the reason you can see the future in these balls is because there are demons trapped in the balls. And so using them for trapping demons, okie dokie, shopkeeps, you can keep your witch balls. But witches, using them for telling the future, nokie dokie, because communing with demons is a capital punishment at the time. And so witches had to get creative. There's several quote-unquote witch balls in museums and on display and for sale that are actually old fishing bobbers. Fishing bobbers are not the same as witch balls. However, they are used the same way as scrying devices with the excuse of, oh yeah, that's just a fishing bobber. Don't take me to prison and burn me, please, because I just have a fishing bobber. How could that be harmful? And so it it kind of became common practice. Instead of making these witch balls to scry with, people would make their own devices that looked innocuous but could practice magic with, like a mirror, a bowl of water, black shiny bowl full of water, highly polished stones from the ocean or from a beach, any reflective surface so that when the patriarchy came knocking, they could just say, I don't know what you're talking about. It's just stones, just stones. It's just a mirror. A lot of sites that will talk about witch balls or specula or stuff bring up Biddy Early. She was an Irish witch. She would use blue bottles. A blue bottle, a specific blue bottle. Biddy Early is a famous Irish witch from County Clare, Ireland, where my ancestors hail from. The story goes, she had so many husbands. She had a husband who died after she had a baby girl, and then she had a little boy with her second husband, I believe, and the little boy was taken by fairies and replaced with a changeling, which in some cases is just an excuse for somebody who wanted to kill him. So who knows what actually happened to Biddy's little boy. She had a, another husband die on her, and because her husband died she couldn't make rent. And she knew that they were coming to evict her and her daughter. Then her dead second husband, Tom Flannery from Carrow Row, spirit visited her and gave her very specific instructions on how to immobilize and paralyze the enforcers 
the rent collectors, the people who were going to evict her from her house. So Tom visited Biddy the night before her eviction and told her specifically to instruct the police who were trying to evict her to just stay where you are, and that that would be successful enough that they would leave and never return. So she's game. You know, she doesn't have any other ideas. So she said, okay, dead husband, I will do what you ask. And the next day they came to evict her, and she just looked out at the five policemen and the sheriff, who apparently were necessary to evict this one woman and her daughter. They sent five policemen. She's already (laughs) getting a little tiny bit of a reputation, I guess, at this point. She just tells them, stay where you are. And suddenly, the policemen and the sheriff were stuck to the road and unable to move. Two hours after this happened, they're still standing there, unable to move from the spot. Biddy finally says, uh, 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 go away and never return. (laughs) And immediately they ran off, never to bother her again. And this is when it starts to be told that Biddy Early is a witch. Now, in case you're wondering, Biddy is an unfortunate nickname for Bridget. You had mentioned Biddy Early's witch bottle. So how is a woman going to make a living in this world when her husband is dead? The second Tom in her life, her young son, like I said, replaced by a changeling, he dies. Her son, Tom, returned from the dead and handed her this dark cobalt bottle in her hour of need. Her dead son, Tom, this time told her, here's a blue bottle. It will make you a living. That's it. Apparently no other explanation. And apparently Biddy was kind of like, okay, I'll do it. I'll make a living with a bottle. I I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this bottle, but yeah, if my dead son thought it was uh, important enough to come back from the dead and tell me to use this bottle to make a living, okay. So she had amazingly accurate predictions from gazing into the depths of this blue bottle. So accurate down to the detail, she could tell when a traveler was on the road and when he was going to arrive and how far away he was. So often that she would just go leave town and start walking down the road to meet them halfway so they wouldn't have to come all the way to town. And she got a reputation for being an amazing healer. It's good that they didn't evict her from her house because there was a magical spring by the side of her house with great healing waters. And in the times, County Clare did not have a veterinarian. And so people who lost an animal, they basically lost their income for the year if they lost a pig or a sheep or one of their horses died. So people really, really relied on folk cures for animals. And Biddy was a major source of that. So she had this magical water that could cure ailments only if you got it with her permission, though. So you had to have consent before that would be a cure. Now, was the bottle supposed to also trap demons the way the witch balls did? Not at all. No, that there's no mention of that in, in Biddy's tale. Although that is, of course, not what the practitioners of magic meant for it to do at the time. I think that was a thing that the clergy made up in an attempt to persecute people with these bottles and these habits of telling the future. So it was told by a couple of neighbors passed down to their children. There are a couple stories remaining, one of which was one day the priest, the local priest, showed up and attempted to take the bottle away from Betty because he said that she was communing with demons. She said, no, I'm communing with fairies, you dolt. And he said, no, 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 it's definitely demons. The church knows best. I'm going to take this bottle. He attempted to take it and could not physically take it away from this old woman. Interesting. 
later on when she passed away, one of her cousins attempted to go through her things and find this magical bottle because it was so very, very useful. And the people in the county were like, oh my gosh, now that Biddy's dead, all of our animals are going to die and we're all going to get sick. And so she attempted to reclaim this bottle after Biddy died and the priest had already snuck in and stolen the bottle away. And so it was never seen again. The neighbor whose child is relating this story theorized that the church official had thrown it into a body of water so that it couldn't be found again. But the most fun story from Biddy Early's life Five husbands come and go. <laughs> She's like the wife of Bath. She is in her mid to late 70s, practicing as a healer, giving away this magical water. This is not a rich area. A lot of the time she just gets paid in food or whiskey. And she's just going about her life trying to make a livelihood with this bottle. And she's kind of got this reputation just as the village witch, the wise woman, the healer, the, the village witch. You know, nobody really holds it against her who's a town person because she's been helping them a lot for many, many years. So when somebody falls sick, they go to Biddy, especially when the doctors aren't in town, when the doctor says, I can't make it to town in time, or when the doctor says, it's terminal, we can't help you. They say, go to Biddy. She can heal anything. And so one day... When Biddy was in her late 70s, after being widowed for the fifth time, a knock comes at the door. Of course, Biddy was expecting it because of her blue bottle. She opens the door to find a group of people with a young man in a cart, so very sick that he can't get up. He can't move. The doctors have told him he's going to die. There's nothing they can do. Biddy sees this handsome young man in this cart notices how desperate he seems and how desperate the guys around him seem. That must be his family coming down, their last shot. Maybe Biddy can cure him. She says, yes, I can cure you. If you marry me. <laughs> the man does not hesitate. He says, yes, I'm dying. Do anything you can. Of course I'll marry you. And she does. And he does. And this was such... A monumentous occasion, this young, handsome, 20-something lad marrying this 78-year-old witch. I just pulled 78 out of my hat because the press release said 81, but the actual age was probably more like 71, so somewhere in between. <laughs> it gets announced in the papers, though, at a time when only oh. nobility had their marriages announced in the papers. It's announced, like, bitty early, local witch marries a young man. <laughs> <laughs> which I love. So that's the story of Biddy's Blue Witch Bottle. The reason I asked about the bottles is because it's a very common tradition here in Haint country to have a bottle tree. And oh, yeah. I have a photo that I will put up on our site, but it's a tree. You just have a tree in your yard and you put bottles on them, glass bottles upside down. You append them on the branches they're usually a bunch of different colors, but I've seen them where they're all blue. They're all cobalt blue. It's predominantly mm -hmm. blue. And that is supposed to trap ghosts so that they can't get into your house. It's similar to painting your window frames and door frames paint blue. So that's why I was wondering, but I could see if the tradition got skewed a little bit, especially the belief that these balls are trapping demons. Maybe the bottles are trapping demons too, because they're also reflective and mm -hmm. We have a lot of Irish and Scottish roots in this area, so I could see that tradition coming over. 
But that makes I just was wondering if there was any relationship. I don't know. I could be drawing conclusions here about how this actually happened. But yes, the bottle tree is very common here. It is not, as I say, and because of Winn-Dixie, to remind you of how much you used to drink. It is to trap spirits. <laughs> to remind you of how much you used to drink. <laughs> yeah, that's in a children's book. <laughs> because of Winn-Dixie. When it becomes a mighty oak tree and every branch yes. has a bottle, you go, maybe mommy has a problem. I didn't know that meaning. No, here in Oklahoma, I think most people make a tree out of dowels which is kind of weird. I like the idea of putting them on a real tree and then letting the branches kind of grow with the bottles. That's kind of cool. I like that idea. Diana, that was fascinating. I loved learning about Biddy early. That is so cool. And it all started <laughs> by talking about vaginas. It's amazing right? where we've come. <laughs> we've come so far. So I thought maybe we'd leave our listeners with a few tips for how to begin scrying with a witch ball, a dark blue bottle, a mirror, a bowl of water, or a shiny stone, or your neighbor's garden ball, whatever. The idea is to get into a state of meditation where you're relaxing and allowing your visual focus to occupy the thoughts in your conscious mind while your subconscious mind kind of silences all the little things that are normally going on in the background. It does take some practice. It's very unlikely that you will get an immediate vision when scrying, so don't hold yourself to that standard. The idea is you'll sit quietly for some time, and you may have to practice several times before anything meaningful happens. But remember, there are no demons in the ball for real. The visions and intuition come from within. Because remember, this is a speculum. It is a device for looking within, reflecting within. What you're seeing in the reflection within your speculum is what's in your own essence already, your own conscious or unconscious knowledge. And it's just merely bringing it to the foreground so that you can observe it and be confident in it. A lot of people will see a shadow or a shape and just have a strong impression that that means a specific thing that they associate, or a strong hunch or a gut feeling that it means a specific thing. Go with that hunch or that feeling. Don't doubt it because that is literally what you're going for. You are attempting to hold on to that hunch as something more meaningful than you could have gotten without the visual aspect of scrying. So steps to take, relax your body, make sure you're comfortable, practice a lot, Make sure you're in a quiet location without too many distractions. Don't listen to music or go out in really active woods or anything. Lock yourself in the basement. Make it dark. You want there to be just a single light source, like a, like a single candle, or you want it to be very dim. LED candle. Oh, no. Are Seriously, we really you're, at the point you're... where we have to warn people not to light things on fire? <laughs> no, th that's actually a very common recommendation because you're going to be focused so hard on what you're looking at. You don't want to have to be worrying about whether something's going to catch on fire. So it's always best to have something that you don't have to pay attention to. That's a good point. Okay, so so some kind of safe single light source that you don't have to babysit. I found an incantation that can be used for gazing into a speculum. And this is from the book Witchcraft for Tomorrow by Doreen Valiente. Here is her recommended charm. You should repeat three times. Round of silver shining bright as the moon at still midnight. When the witching hour has struck, 
shadows show of life and luck. This by rune be now enchanted, and the second sight is granted. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty fun, right? So just a tool to focus your monkey mind while your inner subconscious brings forth these feelings and images. And just remember, it doesn't matter what you're using to scry, whether it's an old bottle that your ghost son gave you, or whether it's just a bowl of simple water that no passing priest could ever misinterpret for something evil. It's all coming from within you. Just remember that when you scry, you already have everything you need to scry. It's just about focus. I love that. And you do not need to have a cervix to be able to use this tool. Nope. It doesn't go in any flesh window, except your soul. So I do have to just, as an aside, I understand that the term speculum and the medical instrument speculum is a traumatic term for a big cohort of people who have vaginas. We understand and recognize the problematic situations revolving around that. And if you need resources for gynecological care, but don't feel like you are comfortable with what's available in your area, there are speculums that you can purchase very cheaply. Use them for your own pelvic exams. There are speculum you can actually open source 3D print your own speculum now. There's like a completely free 3D printer at the library here in my town. So check out the library. Yeah, most local libraries have them. Yeah, that might Mm -hmm. bring up some questions while you're doing that, but just be friendly with the library. I think bringing up questions is what we need to do, women and others with vaginas. Bring up questions. Do it. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Let's talk this out. It shouldn't be a traumatic thing. And yet we recognize that it is for many people. I also want to say that we are not responsible for any vaginal or ghostly mishaps that may result from taking anything that we said here as real advice. We are (laughs) merely podcasters. If you accidentally (laughs) conjure something that's not from within by using a black mirror or scrying or by 3D printing your own speculum, we are not responsible Well, thank you, Diana. That was so enlightening on so many levels, inside and out. I learned a ton, and that was very fascinating. And we hope that you all found that intriguing, as I did. And if you're interested in going deeper, that was another speculum joke. We have an article coming out, like I said, with even more information about the word, the usage, the roots, and the meanings behind this varied, varied term. Go read it. If you are a member of our Patreon, go back and find the episode we did on Black Mirrors, where we even talk about how to make your own. And no doubt you'll have a spooky day if you do. Homespun Haints is hosted by Becky Kilimnik and Diana Doty, and produced by Homespun Haints Media, LLC. Editing and music by Becky Kilimnik. Show notes by Diana Doty. If you have a ghost story and you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, please visit our website at homespunhaints.com slash submit. Deep in the bowels of Oklahoma exists a passageway that has remained locked for decades, untouched by mortals. We don't know why it was sealed nearly a century ago, but we are thirsting to find out. Do you have the same insatiable curiosity as us to see what lies beyond his threshold? On September 24th, 
2023. We will unveil the shadows together via live stream as we open this sealed passageway, slaking our thirst for arcane knowledge. And we want you to be there with us. Virtually, of course. This may be dangerous. We don't have liability insurance. Oh my eye! But what will we find? Is this passageway a sealed tomb? A hideaway for treasure? A portal into another dimension? Maybe it's aliens. Even we won't know until September 24th. And you can be there to discover the secrets with us. I'm not scared. Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement to RSVP for this event and find out how you can participate in this interactive adventure with us. As long as there's darkness to explore, we shall remain its loyal devotees. RSVP now and immerse yourself in the abyss of the unknown that is Diana's basement. <laughs> Visit homespunhaints.com slash basement.